Okay, let's, let's just pray for Luke as he brings God's word. We're in this series in Daniel at the moment. Let's pray for him. Father, I pray for our hearts and our ears to be open yes, to everything the Spirit of God is saying. Mm. And I pray for Luke. I pray for your power to come. I pray for your Holy Spirit to fill him. Yes, I pray for anointing upon his lips. Mm. And Lord, I thank you that your word never returns void. Yes, God. We pray today, Lord God, that it would take deep root in our hearts and all who hear it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Morning, church. How are you all doing? There's some broken people in this place today, aren't there? I'm Luke. I'm part of the team here at Jubilee, and I've got an incredible wife, Kudzi, who's sat over there, and two amazing uh, sons. And I'm just going to start straight away with a scripture for you today from Daniel 4, verse 34. It says, His dominion is an everlasting dominion. And his kingdom is from generation to generation. Last week we were looking at culture. And Dan brought a great word on culture from Daniel 3. But I don't think God's done with us yet. See, worldly culture, it creeps in until a hammer-blow moment makes us realise that the culture around us has already altered our own. Just look at the schooling system today and what our kids are being taught in secular schools and all of a sudden, it's okay for a boy to be a girl and a girl to be a boy. Well, just like worldly culture creeps in, I believe we've been drip-fed some lessons for our series so far. And I don't want my agenda to be hidden from you today. I believe this sermon is received from God in my life as a hammer blow moment. It came swiftly, it was swung hard, and I can't bring it to you gently. Are you prepared to let his word break you down this morning? I think he's already started. He's already started to move in this place. We're hearing testimonies and stories about what God's doing. I don't think that's coincidence today. I think God is positioning us to break us at his word, to change us, and to bring us into his promise. Do you believe that this morning? Oh, you're awake then. <laughs> yeah. Let's pray. Father God, come before us. We come before you as you've come before us, as you've started already to move and change the atmosphere in this place for our worship to you, Father God, as you've already begun to minister to so many. God, I pray that this would be all about you. God, your dominion is everlasting. Your kingdom is from generation to generation. You rule and you reign, and I pray that you have your way in this place today. Amen. I'm just going to invite Tim to uh, jump up. He's going to bring us our reading today from Daniel 4, uh, verse 10 to 17. Morning, church. Nice and loud. These are the visions I saw while lying in my bed. I looked, and there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land. Its height was enormous. The tree grew large and strong, 
and its top touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful, its fruit abundant, and on it was food for all. Under it, the beasts of the field found shelter. The birds of the air lived in its branches. From it, every creature was fed. In the visions I saw while lying in my bed, I looked, and there before me was a, massi- a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven. He called in a loud voice, cut down the tree and trim off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches, but let the stump and its roots, bound with iron and bronze, remain in the ground, in the the grass of the field. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him live with the animals among the plants of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man and let him be given the mind of an animal till seven times pass by for him. The decision is announced by messengers. The holy ones declare the verdict so that the living may know that the, the living may know the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowest of men. This is the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had now. Thanks, Sam. Do you know the last time I had a dream like that, I think I'd eaten some dodgy mushrooms. Um, I went mushroom picking with uh, Phil yesterday, but not for those sorts. I'm just going to ask you to hold that dream uh, in the forefront of your mind as we go through today. And I want you to hold on. We're going to keep coming back to that verse. His dominion is everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. Just keep that uh, there. You know, I said that I believe we've been getting drip-fed some lessons in our series so far. Hello, Moto. Um, <laughs> about kingdom culture. And I want to highlight a few things. In our first, uh, in our first sermon in this series, bless you, uh, we had Daniel 1, 1 to 3, told us that Judah had been conquered by the Babylonian army. However, I need you to see firstly and foremost that God allowed that to happen. He allowed Judah to be handed over to Nebuchadnezzar. It looked like defeat. Are there times in your life, are you in a season where it looks like defeat? I believe though that it resulted in kingdom cultures being carried through the people and being carried through their possessions to enter not only the Babylonian kingdom, but the very heart of the temple of their gods. Daniel 1.7 showed us that Daniel and his friends had been stripped of their name. They were given names with meanings that fell in line with the Babylonian culture and gods. And we see here an intentional attack on the culture of the kingdom of God. Daniel 2 says that Nebuchadnezzar's dream could not be interpreted until Daniel brought some kingdom culture. You see, he started to evangelize concerning the power and the ability of his God. And a prophecy was brought showing King Nebuchadnezzar something of the heart of God. Namely, that God's kingdom was coming. 
to humble the kingdoms on this earth. Daniel Free, as we heard last week, uh, was a direct assault on kingdom culture again. It was an attempt to wipe it out with fire. Yet Daniel's friends had dug in deep to hold on to their territory. And the result was seen in Daniel 3.29. We're not reading that now, but where Nebuchadnezzar's, uh, he made a decree in the favor of Daniel's God. That brings us to today. It brings us to chapter 4, where we see Nebuchadnezzar praising God. He says this, How great are his signs, and how mighty are his wonders. He's talking about Daniel's God. How great are his signs, and how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. I need you to see something here. Nebuchadnezzar had besieged Israel. He'd taken them captive. They were living in exile outside of their homeland. Yet the king that besieged that territory now stood there praising their God. His culture had been changed. With this, Nebuchadnezzar, he had another dream. We heard about it in Daniel 4, 10 to 17. Tim read that. Um, And Daniel was again called to interpret this dream. Again, this is where kingdom culture sets in. You see, our culture sculpts us. It carves out our perspective on things and the issues of life. And it fashions our response to them. I'll say that again. Our culture sculpts us. It carves out our perspective on the issues in life and it fashions our response to them. How are you responding this morning to the culture that comes against his kingdom in your life? Miles Monroe says that kingdom, uh, the kingdom of heaven's culture is love. Its atmosphere is hope and its common currency is faith. You see, kingdom culture is rooted in love because God is love. Love generates an atmosphere of hope which anchors us. And faith brings substance to the things that are hoped for. See, you can be anchored with hope but never see any substance because there's no faith. Daniel loved God. He loved God with all of his heart, all of his body, all of his soul. He meditated on God's word. He spent time in prayer, morning, noon and night. Daniel and his friends laid down their whole life as a living sacrifice in worship to their God. Their love for God produced hope, which anchored them in God and inspired faith in God's promise for them. You see, God had already promised Israel uh, that they'd be taken into exile. If we just get Jeremiah 25, 11 on the screen, 
just so that you can see uh, that that's there. This whole country is talking about Israel will become a desolate wasteland, and these nations will serve the king of Babylonia, uh, Babylon, seventy years. You see, this was spoken by a prophet years and years before it had happened, but God had already promised in His Word to Daniel uh, that this would happen. It was no surprise to them. What if they'd not have read or studied their scriptures? What if they'd not have heard the prophecy of God? What if they didn't embed it in their heart? Is that you today? Are there areas of your life that look desolate? And has God promised you otherwise? Let me share from my own life for a moment. I want you to see the application of all of this. There are times when I fail to uphold kingdom culture in areas of my life. And it usually results in strife, fear, anxieties and hopelessness. It sometimes even plays out as where I feel completely alone, abandoned by God. I might feel like quitting. Hiding, giving up. I've definitely had moments where I've wanted to quit. Where I've wanted to run away and hide. And if that's you today, it's not just you. You're not alone in this place. We're all in this race together. We're all on a journey with God. If you're a Christian in this place today, I need you to hear that. I need you to understand it. You're not alone in your struggle. I'm here to expose some lies with the truth of God's word today. You see, those feelings that you may feel from time to time, they stem from a deceitful culture that stands defiantly opposed to kingdom culture. If it's left unchallenged in your life, it will lead to oppression, the holding down of the saints. Oppression is a contender for hope. Oppression is a contender for hope. You see, like hope, oppression anchors us. Hope anchors us to the promises of God, whereas oppression holds us down just outside of them, almost in reach. Anyone ever been frustrated at their situation, at their circumstance that they find themselves in, and they know that God is saying, I've got more for you, I've got something better, and it feels like you're just on the cusp, you're almost there, but you can't quite reach it. I've had moments like that in my life. I'm here to scream it into your life today. These cultures may stand but they have no power against my God. My God's name is Jesus. And his name is above every other name. And there's no other name that a man can be saved by but the name of Jesus. He's all-powerful. He's seated on the throne. Am I speaking to someone today? He's king in your life. He's for you and not against you. He is wonderful. He is mighty. He's strong. He's the creator, God, and he is for you. 
Come on, Jesus. Hope anchors you to the promise of God. I'm here to remind you that he has a plan for you, and his plan is a good plan. It's a plan to prosper you. I'm here to assure you that no matter what season you're in or how desolate your situation looks, God has not forsaken you. You know the season you're in. Just take a minute. Why don't you close your eyes? Just think about that thing in your life where you're not quite seeing it yet. I believe there are people here today whose culture has in certain areas been conformed to this world. Do you have anxiety or fear? Do you feel hopeless or alone at times? Do you feel forgotten? All these are symptoms of a culture set in to oppose his kingdom. His culture is love. His atmosphere is hope. And his currency is faith. Why don't you repeat after me? There's no room for pride. With Jubilee Church, let's try that again. There's no room for pride. That's better. James 4, 6 says this. God opposes the proud, but he shows favour to the humble. Daniel interprets, interprets the king's dream. And in short, he says that if Nebuchadnezzar fails to remain humble and acknowledge God, then God will remove the kingdom of Babylon from him. The Holy One commands that he will be like a beast in the field. However, if he humbles himself before God, the kingdom will be restored to him. But Nebuchadnezzar fails to heed the warning. And he boasts about the provision of God as if he's brought it about himself. There are moments in my life where I have forgot to acknowledge God who's doing the work in me. We need to stay humble, church. Just like the dream uh, was interpreted, he was driven insane and he roamed the desert like a beast uh, for the exact time that God decreed. Yet when he humbled himself before God, uh, the promise of God was restored to King Nebuchadnezzar. You see, Nebuchadnezzar didn't like being insane or roaming around like a beast. And when he humbled himself before God, the desolation in his life was removed and God restored him. When he humbled himself before God, the desolation in his life was removed and God restored him. Where's the desolation in your life? Are you humbled before him? Daniel and his friends didn't like living in exile either. 
But by staying faithful to kingdom culture, the oppressor's culture had to change. It had to bow the knee. And Nebuchadnezzar started to acknowledge some kingdom culture in the Babylonian Empire. If your situation looks desolate, kingdom culture prevails because his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom is from generation to generation. If you're a Christian here today, I need to remind you that you are living in exile. We are in this world, but no longer of it. We belong to a kingdom that's higher and greater. Exile is your normal. We live in a world of strongholds. Strongholds are things that actually belong to God. He made every stronghold. He made every stronghold to hold strong to his promise. I don't know about you, but I think some of the strongholds in my life have not seemed godly at all. Addiction in my life was a stronghold that nearly killed me. It was kingdom culture carried by a Christian that started to change the culture in that stronghold. I need you to realize that the stronghold of addiction in my life was one of worship. You see, I worship drugs wholeheartedly. And I laid my whole life down in pursuit of more. That's worship. This stronghold was created in my life by God to house and safeguard my worship of him. But the enemy got in and I failed to defend it. It resulted in the stronghold being inhabited by enemy forces, which played out as an addiction to drugs that nearly ended my life. I had to reclaim this stronghold. I had to reclaim it in my life for God. But the thing about driving out ungodly cultures is the holding fast to Jesus and his promises. What if Daniel and his friends didn't know the promise in Jeremiah 25? Do you know what the word of God is saying about you? Do you know who he says you are? We need to know his promises. You will not hold fast to Jesus until you stop holding on to this world. Until you realize that this world has nothing left for you. Nothing left to offer you. You see, I couldn't let go of addiction without holding on to Jesus with both hands gripped on tight. And I couldn't do that until I was ready to admit that there was nothing left out there for me in my addiction. Now, I don't know what strongholds need to be reclaimed in your life. It might be physical or mental health, addictions or anxieties, finances or a vast array 
of other ungodly cultures that render God's promise void in your life. But we can learn from Daniel and his friends and we can acknowledge that we are in exile and that God has placed us here to carry his culture into the heart of our enemies. I'm going to repeat that. I don't want you to miss it. We are in exile. And God has placed us here, right now, in this place, to carry his culture into the heart of our enemies. That in doing so, their culture would begin to change. But Luke, you don't know how hard it is for me. You're right. I'm not you. But I do know that his dominion is an everlasting dominion. And his kingdom is from generation to generation. If you can't repeat the scripture to me by the end of today, I've done something wrong. (laughs) We don't serve a small God. We serve the one true God whose name is Jesus. I've already said, he'll never leave us and never forsake us. Do you know, he knows you. He formed you in your mother's womb. He knew every day of your life before you'd lived out one of them. He's in control and he's sovereign. He's over everything. He's in every one of us. He designed us and created us in his own image And he said, it is very good. I think I'd like the band to come back, if that's all right. Just while they do, just have a think about what I've said. Maybe you've let go of kingdom culture in areas of your life and you found yourself oppressed as God's strongholds in your life are overrun by enemy forces but you've heard what I've said today and you want to dig in like Daniel and his friends did and inspire change around you or your situation might look desolate. It's gone on for too long. You're at the end of yourself with this. And today you've been reminded of God's promise that he's for you. If it's you today, I want you to come forward. I want to pray with you. Just as the band are beginning to play, you know if it's you that I'm talking to. You don't have to come alone. Maybe you've got a friend that's come with you, a family member. Why don't you just ask them to come with you so that you're not stood at the front alone. Now I know there's more than one. 
I know there's more than one person and I want to build faith right now as you start to come, as you build up the courage to step up and out of your seat. God, would you give courage to these men and women? There's no judgment in this place. You are a holy God. You are worthy, Jesus. The battle you're in and the desolation you're seeing, he knows about it. He's placed you in it. Thank you, Jesus.